Ladies and gentlemen, this is Reverend Tony Lee, and you are listening to the latest episode of the Hope Labs podcast, uh, where we connect thought, word, and deed. And I'm excited today to be on the phone with my, well, not to be on the phone, to be here live with my friend, uh, Brooke Hempel, of uh, the Senior VP at Barna. Brooke, Brooke, how are you today? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's wonderful to have you on. Um, and it's amazing because we had a, a great conversation that people really love um, in November. Um, actually, it was like in November in the heat of everything. Oh, um, man. So much has happened since then, right? It, it seems like we are like worlds away uh, from all. And, and, and a lot has happened since then. I mean, just it's been a tumultuous time, but it's also been um, a transformative time, like all at the same time. And, and so we're sitting here and, and, and you all, and you told me then that you all were gonna be, I'm gonna be starting to release some of the data from your black church report. Um, and so we've been able to see some of that stuff hitting the airwaves or hitting the internet. And I just reached out and was like, hey, can we talk again? And I wanna thank you for uh, just kind of shaping this time to be able to talk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, thanks. There's, there has been, um some research that we've begun to release and then we've, we're beginning to hear back from church leaders, how they're thinking about it, what, the, what they're thinking about the future of their ministries, their churches. And so it's great to be able to share some of those updates with you. So I, I just wanted to dig into it, if you don't mind. Um, at the time, you, you know, look at kind of what you all um, have found and some what the data is showing. What are some of the kind of big kind of uh, uh, tent posts that you see? Yeah. Um, two, so far, we've covered two main topics, and I really do think it, that wasn't just about the coincidental timing of the year. It was like these were actually important topics that uh, rose out of the research. Um, one is about what's the legacy of the church and how does that shape our, uh, the way that we think about the future of it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then the other is about political engagement. And um, We've seen absolutely this year what the role of the church has been in political engagement and how that's actually tipped the country in amazing ways. So I think those are really just monumental findings. Uh, you know, we're in a moment of transition with church being um, digital in a lot of cases or people trying to figure out how to, how to do church post-pandemic. So it's a really great time to be thinking through how does the legacy of the church inform the future of the church? And then also just thinking about what is the church's role engaging in civic society. And so I think those are like two really seminal topics that are coming out of this research that are are critical for leaders to get grounded in as they're preparing for what's next this year and next year. So now I'm interested in hearing, um, and let's start with legacy. Um, Dr. Eddie Glaude a a while back wrote um, an article that kind of caught all kinds of fire talking about, um, is the black church dead? Uh, and, 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 and in that, um, you know, you often hear kind of in different spaces, oh, the black church is dead. Oh, the black church is just its history. It's not forward. Let's talk about, so what are some of the things you all are seeing, um, in relationship to how folks feel about the legacy of the black church? Yeah. Uh, Let me give you some context too, even before I share this data, which is we are seeing a trend of perhaps people moving away from the church or questioning uh, its, you know, its relevance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a small group, by the way, but, the, you know, we were seeing a bit of that, but honestly, the, the events of the last four years and the political shifts of the last four years have caused people to come back. 
to swing back and to really embrace those roots. So here's one piece of data that we saw. Um, This was asked of all black adults in the US and we asked first in 1996, would you agree with this statement that to understand the African-American experience it's necessary to understand the the role of religious faith in the lives of black people in the US. So 71% of people in 1996 agreed, yes, it is critical to see like the role of faith is essential to that experience, right? And this year when we asked it, it's 79%. So it's gone up, not back. Wow. Right. So faith is is foundational to the full public African-American experience in the U.S., to all Americans, whether or not they're in a church. Um, that's, that's huge. They're, so they're recognizing like the, this legacy, these roots really uh, give us something to stand on and really define and shape who we are today. Now, how is that significant or what kind of role of significance is that play? Um, not just kind of in how folks feel about kind of what it's been and how it is today, but kind of in how folks are feeling about things moving forward. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that legacy and that connection to faith is critical. And there's probably more connection with it today than even in the past, but that doesn't always translate into, I want to be in a church and specifically I want to be in a historically black church. Right. Um, so we saw a, a decline in people agreeing that they want to be actively involved in a church. And so that was 90% in 1996 and 74% today, right? So there's a, a little bit of a separation of I'm living out my faith or I recognize the value of, you know, historically the faith in this community. And yet I, I'm not quite sure about the relevance of the church. And that's a little bit to be determined, Um, We're definitely seeing that, of course, younger generations are a little more uncertain about um, not just whether there's a role for church in their life, but also which type of church is that. And that's really where we're seeing a lot of um, kind of fractioning in in the younger generations. But there's definitely um, an attachment to or a value in respecting and understanding our not just spiritual interests, but religious traditions. That's a huge part of it. Um, And that's a change because previous generations would have said, you know what, religious tradition and spiritual faith are kind of hand in hand. So I consider myself a spiritual person, but also a person who practices religiously. And when you look at the younger generations, those start to separate. And so that's data that we haven't put out yet. So I'm giving you a little teaser, but we're seeing the younger generations say, you know, some of them say, no, 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 it's the spiritual side. It's the faith for me. And it's, you know, my personal growth in this area. And there's others that say, no, actually the historic traditions are really critical to me. Um, And so I want to latch onto something that has meaning, that has purpose and that grounds me and gives me a sense of calling. Uh, So that I think is going to be really pivotal for church leaders to get their head around. How do we engage, you know, this, this diversity of opinions and diversity of people in our church? So that's a huge shift when we're looking at kind of, you know, folks wanting to be connected. Um, How is that uh, comparing to just kind of the general church in general? Is this just a black church thing or is this something we're seeing uh, within the capital C church? Right. Yeah. Good question. Um, It's, it's a little bit of a different shift. So I would say on the whole, every trend that we see um, in the, in the general big C church, it's like, this much more, uh, you know, that much more important or that much more um, developed in Black Americans or Black churchgoers. Um, So for example, you know, engagement with their faith in terms of practicing it, right? So um, we've seen a decline in that overall, but we see 
Black Americans still more engaged than the typical church. We see, um, you know, the way that people, their worldview is shaped, the way that people define their worldview and what's important to them and how they live out their faith in their daily lives. Um, again, we see kind of shifts in that in the big C church, but we see, again, more clarity in the black church. So it's kind of like these two trends that are tracking um, side by side. But on the whole, here's, here's the interesting thing that what we see related to this year has caused some distinctions between the church. So overall, Big C Church, there's been overall disengagement um, or declining engagement with faith and with church on the whole. And that's true in the Black church as well, but it's been perhaps less dramatic. But 2020 has caused people to dig back in. And there's two things that I think are driving that. One is just recognizing these historical roots and how they've shaped our overall you know, experience and perspective on the Black experience in, in America. Um, and, and just recognizing the roots, right? How faith has been and how churches have been a, a part of that history intertwined and you can't separate them. Um, and, and so wanting to really hold on to that in a moment of a lot of transition and a lot of racial injustice that is just causing you know, people to go, which way is up? Um, but the other is, and this is really important, in the moment of COVID, where what we saw initially was people really grasped on the church over time, you know, our habits kind of, they, they, uh, we fall into bad habits, right? And so a lot of people in the big C church have really drifted, have really fallen away from engagement. Um, you know, we're seeing churches reporting like, hey, in the beginning, we had really great engagement online, but it's really dropped off. That's not the case in the black church. It's wow. actually been stable or increased because uh, I think the church has been really surprisingly good at pivoting. Um, I think because many churches have been used to being resourceful and creative, they grabbed that moment and said, all right, well, we're going to do this thing. And they defined what it was like to engage digitally when the, the big C church was like, oh, we don't know what to do without our big building and our programs. We don't know how to redefine this. And they weren't able to pivot as quickly or as comfortably, right? Um, and so we're literally seeing that with engagement um, from not just on Sundays, but from Monday through Sunday, engagement with church has been more so um, alive and vibrant in the black church than in the big C church. Now, let, let me ask you, um, and so we talk about the big C church, kind of church universal. Um, also want to kind of talk about um, the white church, um, mm -hmm. or especially the white evangelical church, um, because in this same period that you're saying that um, black church folks have kind of seen a sense of need, of reconnection or connecting at a, at a higher rate um, due to pandemic protests and these kinds of pieces. A lot of the social gospel kinds of pieces are assisting and kind of helping people kind of push back in. Mm -hmm. um, that the white, especially the white evangelical church in the same kind of time period, say the last four years has been extremely um, um, active mm -hmm. um, in, the, in the political life Right in the United States, and so you you you've seen this kind of different camps. Yes, I'm um, um, so to say. Um, yes, and, and, I, and I'm wondering, or my question is, do you all have any data or any sense of so black churchgoers are engaging in a at a level as a result of kind of all the stuff that's happened um, in this past year, couple of years? Uh, how has that impacted, say, uh, the white evangelicals? Mm-hmm. Um, I do think we're seeing a split and we're only seeing a smaller portion 
of white evangelicals responding in this way. But um, yes, the church as a whole has broadly embraced a pretty far right uh, conservative political message and and, and level of engagement um, or alignment, I would say. And we're seeing, uh, you know, it's not a majority, but it's a significant minority of white evangelicals saying, what, what are you doing? Like, that's not, that's not what the church is here for. Um, but there's a real fractioning because both, both sides feel pretty strongly about that. And so um, at the same time that I would say the white evangelical church has really embraced a role politically, you've had parts of the church kind of saying, that's not where I want to be. That's not what I believe we're called to and, and splintering off in a variety of ways. And then you see those who were black churchgoers in multi-ethnic spaces many running back to the historically black church and saying, this is not a safe place for me. Um, and so that's a really interesting dynamic that we're watching that we're just beginning to see play out. And I think actually uh, COVID has, is probably going to um, expedite that because people don't feel physically connected. And so it's allowing them to kind of connect with other uh, groups or churches where they maybe feel more aligned, but we're basically seeing some splintering happening where um, some have entrenched politically and some have said that is not what, you know, we as a church feel called to, um, or that particular agenda is not what we feel called to. And so, you know, we don't see that that's aligned biblically. And so they're uh, moving in different directions. So yeah, it's, it's been a, a really diverse response within the white evangelical church. Um, and I do think we're starting to see like, even this, just this morning, I was reading a, a statement against white Christian nationalism that, uh, you know, just, litany of leaders was signing um, because we're beginning to see people finally understanding the cost of that political alignment with the right and what that has done to not just people, but the church itself. That's wonderful. Now, I, I, I was looking at some of the stuff you all put out, and I thought one thing that was very interesting to me um, as we kind of talk about um, how the Black church has responded in the time of COVID, um, et cetera, um, it was interesting to me to look at one is that what you all talked about about the political leanings of Black adults. One, but two, uh, what you all talked about about the Black church as a source of comfort. And yeah. and, and 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 for me, I want to kind of get a sense of what was that that you saw, and is there a connection that you're seeing between the two? Yes, for sure. Yeah, so we um, shared this data in January. It was actually really awesome. We felt compelled. We wanted to share this the week of the inauguration because this was a historic moment for Black Americans to say, like, this is this is where we felt powerless and now we have some sense of empowerment, right? So we had asked a question back in 96, um, when it comes to politics, would you say that Black people feel generally powerless? And 61% of people agreed with that uh, at the time. So that's 1996. Then you get to 19, or, or sorry, 2020, um, and that number is actually growing um, to 73%. So we had to agree and strongly agree. Um, but you know, we have more people saying, yeah, generally we feel powerless politically. And so the connection then is the follow-up is, you know, being associated with the black church is comforting because it's a place where we can have control over our lives, we can feel empowered. And that number has also risen from 50% to uh, 64%. Um, so that's interesting. And in the context of, now think about that 25-year span, is like all the political shift that has happened, including having uh, Barack Obama as president and then being followed by 
um, a complete shift in the other direction with Donald Trump and, and just some really damaging um, kind of civic experience, experiences for um, Black Americans. And so we see that, uh, and by the way, that number I gave you in terms of the Black church being a place where people uh, feel they have control and empowerment, that was actually just the all adults, not even the churchgoers. So churchgoers feel even more strongly. We're, we're talking um, 80 percent who are saying, yes, this, my engagement with the church, a lot of it has to do with feeling like I have more control over my life, feeling more empowered and finding comfort um, in this community. Now, help me as we kind of dig into that a little bit, because um, one of the things I think the black church and m- most churches have done a good job at uh, during this time of pandemic has really been as being a resource. You've seen just churches just get super involved in feeding um, and in taking care of folks around food insecurity and housing insecurity and just all of those kinds of pieces. Um, how does that, or, or, or do you all have any sense of kind of how folks feel about the Black church's role as far as those kinds of meeting the physical needs of people in community? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we, we haven't released this yet, but we did ask kind of if you had to choose, um, would you say that the role of the church should be more on kind of le- leading in um, civic issues or leading in your community. And, and that's more of those hands-on, like actually, you know, being the hands and feet in the community. Um, and it was really like, no, no, it's both. Um, and so it was almost a taken for granted. Of course, the church is always the hands and feet in the community, the hands and feet of Jesus of feeding and, you know, providing um, help and a safety net when someone's experiencing job loss or, you know, some sort of um, issue in their family that's made it hard for them to, to be stable when they're experiencing health problems, right? So that is almost just like the baseline assumed. That is the role of the church. And then also there's this civic governmental role that I think is really um, increasingly important to a, a younger generation as they're seeing the impact of not having a political voice, right? So the absolutely the hands-on um, just enacting uh, with the physical needs of everyday community members is an essential role of the church and one that, that universally, whether you're inside or outside the church, people say that is the role of the church. We expect the church to be there and to kind of engage with the community in that way. And they're proud of that. I mean, that's a, it's a beautiful, um, I would say almost ecosystem, right? It's a beautiful ecosystem of caring for your people. And I think that's why there's this image of the church of being a place where I feel comforted, where I feel confident, where I feel empowered. Um, and it's a place I'm drawn to. Oh, so now, um, hey, folks, it's Reverend Tony Lee. I'm with Brooke Hempel, Senior VP at Barna. Uh, we're talking about the Black church and, and the amazing research they've been doing. I, I want to thank you for the resources you all have with the Barna Access Plus, um, because I, we've been doing some polling ourselves at our church. Um, oh, and great. It, it helped us really kind of understand some needs. And this is going to go to a question. And so in one of the polls we did, and this was in November, uh, we did some polling and, and it was about kind of what their primary needs were. Mm-hmm. And we saw three top needs. The, the, the third or the bottom was, um, it, it was food insecurity and yeah. it was a need for the food issues. The second um, in the middle was financial insecurity. And so it's about financial mm-hmm. The top, which kind of blew my mind was emotional support. Yeah. Um, and so we're realizing in this season uh, because we've been so disconnected, because folks have been so isolated, et cetera, that there's a lot of need for emotional and mental support. And, and that goes to my question for you, because you, because in another piece you all dropped, um, you talked about Black adults 
um, on faith as a source of emotional strength yeah. um, and how black adults kind of it pull on their faith as a source of emotional strength. And kind of talk to us about what you found there. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's absolutely true universally, um, that there is a, um, a real pressure upon globally everyone's mental and emotional health right now, mm-hmm. right? COVID has just caused us a great deal of anxiety and uncertainty because we're concerned about our health and also taken away the primary source of comfort, which is our community, right? And so it, is, it has been a very, very challenging time for mental health. And um, I actually think that in some ways there's, there's a silver lining there, which is we're talking about it more because I think that's always been a challenge that, um, you know, people have struggled with emotional or mental health and the church has not really been really good about addressing it. Um, this is the number one, I would absolutely agree. This is the number one need we're seeing across, you know, universally people in the church, outside the church around the world is a mental, mental and emotional health. Um, but interestingly, this year, or importantly, this year, like you described, um, the physical effects and the psychological effects of COVID, of job losses, of those food insecurities that result, and then of just the reality of all the, the political environment and racial injustice that we were seeing, it's just like layer upon layer upon layer. And those things really build up to create a sense of anxiety and even this what I'll call collective trauma. Right. So there's almost a sense of um, I have experienced trauma just by being in this environment. Right. Just by feeling um, the weight of what's happening. And so that has really caused people to be struggling emotionally and not having their usual um, community or network of, of friends and family to help them address it. So that I would say that those physical and emotional needs are of top priority for the church. And we're definitely seeing that it's really widespread. You know, so whereas in the past, you might say, oh, there's a portion of people who, who struggle with mental health issues. We're talking a third or more of people who are really, really struggling with emotional. So not all mental health necessarily issues, but emotional trauma from wow. this year. And that's something that really needs to be addressed. We need to, we need to take some time to grieve collectively, wow. right? Because this has been a hard, hard year. And there's a lot of reason to grieve. We've lost loved ones. We've lost pillars of uh, the community and of our, of our history um, through COVID and through other, um, you know, just general, general um, ways that uh, experiences that have come up. And so we need to take a moment to grieve. And I think the church has done a great job of um, kind of firefighting and, and, and dealing with the moment, the crisis moment. But whenever you have a, an event that's like, a, you know, a huge disruptive event, um, some sort of, you know, large scale um, crisis, there's always the time after that where it's like, this is the healing time. And that's actually a really hard time. And you have to make space for it or else that collective trauma just gets kind of repressed and it pops back up later. So we're definitely seeing that um, a few stats out there out there. Um, the number one reason that people say they experience trauma is the death of a loved one. Mm. So think how many people have been touched by the death of a loved one this year, right? So that number one reason is really common right now. And then also, if we look just at the youngest generation, we just released a study on Gen Z, and we found that a third of them had actually experienced what they what they called racial trauma for whatever reason. So it might have been personal or it might have been someone they knew, but they experienced an event that was traumatizing that was related to an issue of racial bias or injustice or something that happened in their lives. And those are collective trauma realities that 
really the church is best equipped to help people process through. So we got to have pastors who are ready <laughs> to um, be, you know, be ready to um, engage and, and really help people get connected to counseling and to just collectively, again, collectively grieve um, and take the time to process what we've all uh, been experiencing this year. That's such a great uh, answer. And, and even talking about how we've got to have pastors who are ready, um, which kind of takes me to a thought or a question, because I know you all also did some stuff on uh, Black adults on active church involvement and kind of their thoughts around active church involvement. And the reason I'm connecting the two is that um, it's important for us to be ready, but we, we need to be paying attention to what folks are thinking around coming to church mm-hmm. because that will impact even how we're connecting with them because it, you know, we may have to look at other ways to try to be connecting with people. And so yes. it taught us a little bit, one about a black adults on active church involvement and kind of how folks are feeling about going to church Two, um, have you all seen anything, um, and this doesn't even just have to be Black church, just in your research, around how feel, folks are feeling about coming back to church mm. post-COVID? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, we've got this data on kind of the legacy and the history of church, of the Black church specifically, um, and, and that is an important component that I think is even more important to people now than they maybe even realized. Um, people, you know, like we're, we're seeing with the PBS documentary, people are going, yeah, yeah. You know what? I might have stepped away from the church for a while or disengaged, but like, I really need to be a part of that. Um, so I actually love seeing that right now because it's like our entire society is kind of embracing, um, oh, this, this is a really, really important component of our lives. And so let's not neglect it. However, that doesn't mean in the day-to-day that the church is connecting with us on the level that's relevant. So we definitely are still seeing, and again, this is more common in in younger adults, but we're definitely still seeing um, a a strong minority of people saying, hey, the church really isn't relevant to my life. Um, You know, 20% of non-churchgoers are like, I don't go just because I just can't figure out, you know, why this is important. Um, It's not connecting with my everyday life. And so there's a number of reasons why people say that they disengage with church. Um, Sometimes it's kind of the rhythms of church are a little too hard to fit into their rhythms of their life. Um, so it's like, look, I can't, I can't be there six times a week or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, people are like, I got other things I'm doing um, that, are, that, you know, this just isn't fitting the natural rhythm of my life. Or they say, um, you know, I don't feel like I'm connecting with people who are in my age and stage of life or that I feel like that's even a priority to the church. So knowing that the church sees me uniquely is actually really important. Um, and that's going to be, that's going to be hard for, you know, if you've got churches with uh, older leaders and you've got traditions in that church, changing all those traditions is really hard, but those young people are looking for, where's my space? And that's what they tell us. Where's my space? How do I know that I have opportunities to grow here and to become a leader here? If that's what I feel called to, um, is the church making space for me? So I think there's just overarching a theme of, um, are we embracing all of the, the community, all of the members? and making space for what they uniquely need. Um, and then I think in terms of, you know, kind of where we are digitally uh, and, and people feeling comfortable coming back, it's really a mix. Some people are like, can't wait to get back. Um, you know, this is gonna be really, really what I've longed for. And there's others who are still very nervous. Um, there's a lot of trepidation just because of the reality of, you know, COVID is not defeated yet. COVID, we are not immune yet. Um, and so we wanna proceed very cautiously. 
certainly the larger the church, the harder this is, right? Because, you know, a smaller church, you can kind of control the number of people you're exposed to. But if you've got a church that seats 2000, um, gosh, that's, that's going to be really hard to provide a safe experience. And people know that and are very cautious. So there's really a mix of opinions on it. Um, it, it runs the gamut. And um, I would just say what we've thankfully seen people acknowledging is um, church is going to look like a couple of things. Like this isn't about going back to, this is about rebuilding a little bit of the new, because some people are going to want to come back to the thing that they know and love. Some people are going to want to build something completely new because their, their habits were disrupted. And they're like, well, I kind of like this new habit, right? I kind of like the way I'm engaging right now. Um, and then there's others who are just nervous and unsure. And so church is really going to have to exist in a number of spaces. We've been calling it hybrid church, but some physical, some digital, and how do we connect those? So I was talking to a, a pastor the other day who said, um, you know, we're preparing a new space and we want to make it so that, it, uh, you know, we've got um, maybe a little less lobby space, a little more sanctuary space where people can kind of spread out and they can come in and find their space and feel safe there. But then also the way that we, um, the way that kind of we uh, show the, the pastor or, um, you know, connect with the pastor and service is going to look different because we'll have people watching online. So we even have to rethink how our pulpits design and, and like zoom the camera in so that it feels more personable rather than just, you know, a, a big camera up on the, the top balcony. Um, and so how do you redesign that experience so that someone who might not be there physically still feels engaged and still feels connected to the body of the church and to the leaders of the church? And they feel like they're, they're really being fed um, and kind of worshiping right alongside. So there's not one answer to that. That's really going to be unique to every community, but all churches are really saying like, what is, what is the new thing? And the one, the one answer that's not the right answer is we're not just going to go back to what was mm. because we've had a whole year and a bit for people to rethink what it looks like to be engaged with their church. And so they really need to take the time. I love that you did a survey because you need to take the time to ask your people, like, where are you and what do you need? And how do we do this um, going forward? The church is not about a building. The church is about the people. So talk to your people and ask them what they need, where they are, and how you can, how you can re-envision your church together. Now, something you said, and, and, and I'm going to come back around um, as you were talking about um, engagement, church engagement. Um, so, and, and you were talking about how um, it also kind of tracks generationally. It's mm -hmm. kind of the younger folks get, the, the less they're necessarily feeling engaged or coming to church. But, and, and there was the, there was a stat that jumped out to me that kind of was a little mind blowing to me and, and kind of, I, don't, I, I didn't go against that stuff, but it was just surprising. Um, when they asked about folks' perceptions of pastors, yes. of black church pastors, and, and they asked about, the, the question was, the pastors of the African-American churches are the most important leaders within the black community, or it was asking how, how they felt about that. And, 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 and to talk a little bit about kind of what was the surprising thing you found around kind of sentiment about black church pastors, especially about them being kind of an important leader in community. Yeah. So the question was the pastors of African-American churches are the most important leaders within the black community. Right. Um, and again, this is of all adults in 96, 63% of all adults agreed in, in 2020, 69% of all black adults agreed. So that number grew amongst the total population. And if you look at black church grower goers, they're like even more, um, 
convinced of this. So 77% say, absolutely, the pastor is pivotal in the community. But like you said, there was a surprise in the data with the young people, right? So I, I, I talked earlier about there's some fractioning by generation and kind of what their expectation of church is and how they want to be involved, but they still have a very high view of the leadership. So to that same question, we have um, significantly more Gen Z and millennial um, black church churchgoers saying, I love the pastor. Like uh, this is the most important leader within the community, um, even higher than the uh, even baby boomers and, and Gen X churchgoers. So, um, and, and really the distinction there is we offered, I agree somewhat or I agree strongly. So basically our agree strongly is higher. So these um, young people are saying, you know what, for me, this leader is really the model. And I need to see a leader that I can um, really feel confident in following. And we've got another stat from our data that said that um, young people are more likely to choose the church they go to based on the pastor. Right. So it's a little less about the community. So the older generations are more thinking holistically about the community, the church. And this is where my family is and this is my you know, friends and community are. So I come here. But the younger ones are looking for leadership and they're saying, who is the person who is guiding me? Who is who is the, the model that I'm looking up to and who I see as important in the community as a whole? And that's where I'm going. So in some ways, that's great because I wanted to celebrate black church leaders. Oh, my goodness. I mean, the role of a pastor is is a lot. <laughs> um, it is probably one of the hardest jobs that exists. There's just so much, so many different hats you have to wear and, and you're never turned off, right? You're always on. Um, so I want to celebrate leaders in that way. But at the same time, I recognize that's a lot of pressure on a leader. That's a lot of pressure that young people are looking to this one person as my model, my mentor, um, and really my reason for being here. And so I, I think there's a lot of hope in that for sure. But it also says we need to be investing in the next generation of leaders. This is important because if the leader is that pivotal, how are we identifying who that person is going to be in the next five, 10 years and investing in them? They're looking to that leader because they themselves feel called to lead. But where are they able to practice that? So investing in them, helping them to grow and, and prepare for leadership. And there's a lot of ways that that could play out. But um, that's a, a real shift that the big C church has to make pastors the average age of pastors has grown higher and higher over the years. So, so many pastors are not retiring and they're not passing the baton and they're not engaging younger leaders and, and kind of showing them, Hey, this is the way towards growing. Um, and that actually causes some people to leave the church. We found that in our data that some people leave because they're like, I don't know where I fit in and I really want to be involved in leadership and I don't see a space for me here. And so I, I, I guess a question, and, and you kind of went to one of the places I was going about the aging pastorate mm. um, and, and the challenge of the aging pastorate and the need to kind of build a pipeline, a leadership pipeline. Um, I, I, I guess a, a question I have for you, though, is with looking at this data, which kind of was mind blowing for me, because, um, you know, anecdotally, you know, everyone talks about how, you know, the younger generations are very anti-institutional um, and you would think that would be anti-leadership, but what, mm. but what we're kind of seeing here is that folks are um, maybe not as institutionally connected, but they are connected to the personality of the pastor um, and the leadership of the pastor, um, which I, I think gives us, like I said, like you said, kind of some of the challenges, but also an interesting time of possibility. Yes. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and I, I think that you made a really important distinction there too, which is, that is exactly the distinction to make. Not everyone wants to be a wheel and a cog. And that's the, that's the resistance to the institutional. I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to feel, sorry, I said that backwards, a cog and a wheel. <laughs> um, not everyone wants to just kind of fit into the model and like, I'm just going to join into the institution. But there's a real call to leadership. And I honestly, we've seen this in, our, in our, a number of studies that we've done in our data, um, that there's a sense amongst young people that there's a lack of good leaders in this world mm. um, and in our country. And what that's a reaction to looking at bad leadership or poor leadership and saying, wow, we need more good leaders, um, leaders that we can trust, leaders who are, um, you know, have a high moral standard, who have character, who have integrity. Um, so there's a, there's a call and a desire for good leaders. And I think that's what you're seeing in this response of young people, which is some of it is a desire to pursue leadership or to, um, you know, hold up a, a model of someone they can emulate, but also it's, it's a statement against leadership more broadly, not this leadership of the church, but leadership in general. It's a statement against, well, I don't know if we have the best leaders um, in our society right now, and I would love to see better leadership. And, and so I, I think that makes me uh, be concerned about churches in which the pastors are um, not easily accessible. Yes. Um, to people, and I think we have an opportunity uh, with these younger generations but I do think that there's going to be the need for uh, pastors to be able to be touched a bit more, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. be a bit more approachable, be a bit more accessible, um, yes. and not necessarily kind of like the Wizard of Oz behind a curtain. Yes, which is actually even easier to achieve because of technology and, and digital engagement, right? Wow. Because, right? You might not be able to physically talk to every one of the 2,000 people walking into your church, but if you are, uh, you know, Streaming and you're zoomed in and a person can see your face, right? And they feel more emotionally connected because you're talking directly to them or they feel like you're talking directly to them. Um, and then also if you're engaging in social media and you are responding, um, you know, people are messaging and you're responding directly to them, you can actually reach way more people way more efficiently digitally than you can in your physical church building. So if pastors are ready to engage with that and embrace those technologies, they can actually accomplish what you just described. That's incredible. I didn't think about it that way, but technology actually can be a tool to help us to actually be more accessible. Um, yeah. Even though folks aren't actually touching you, um, yes. they're, they're actually connecting with you. Yeah. Um, and so that's that whole high tech, high touch kind of a model. Yes, that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. You got you to gotta master both of it. It can't just be I'm streaming my service, but it's like, how can I make myself approachable digitally? Wow. You have just helped me, and I'm sorry, I'm taking a pause right now. I'm sorry, audience, I was talking to you all, this was about you all, but right now I'm having a whole Take pause for myself. I just had a moment. I just got chills, goosebumps, the whole nine. Um, but it is about really how you're able to really make yourself more approachable, yeah. um, even in a digital format, and that's the way folks can connect with you. Yeah, so, yeah. and we're about to close out, but I want to hear kind of some of your thoughts on, um, on, on going forward, mm -hmm. um, on what your data says about the Black church going forward, and, and even kind of your thoughts on advice on going forward from kind of this COVID moment. Yeah. Yeah. So data says, um, <laughs> we can't just plug back in. Data says, you know, people have fallen out of habit in some ways, or they've adopted new habits. And so 
we are going to have to rethink what it looks like to come back into the church. Um, I actually was at a conference recently where they were talking about what's it going to be like post COVID and two different pastors delivered a sermon on what was it like, uh, you know, for in Ezra for the, the faithful to come back and to rebuild the walls and the, and the old believers, they were kind of mourning what was and the new ones were celebrating what could be. And that's kind of what we're going to be in because some people are excited. They found re-engagement, reinvigoration with their faith uh, because of the way that they've been connecting. And then others are like, I just want to get back to what was, right? So there's going to be um, just really a need to kind of stop and as a, as a church family say, hey, what is it we're trying to do here? What's going to serve everyone well? Um, how do we want to connect? So I do think that's important that um, churches and, and leaders really stop and take the, take the temperature of their congregation, really ask the questions, how do we do this well? You've probably got some really awesome, um, you know, kind of leaders in maybe the marketplace who can help do that in your church, right? And that's their expectation. They're, they're expecting to see that sort of uh, pivoting and reorganization in the church, just like they're having to do in their jobs. Um, so make use of their talents, bring them in, invite them in, re-envision what church is going to look like. Don't just go back to the old because it's going to be, that will be um, very dangerous for a lot of churches. That will really uh, cause a lot of churches to, to stumble and have a quick falling off of their members because all their members have had access to every great, you know, piece of spiritual encouragement and teacher and pastor that they've wanted to over the last year and a bit. Um, at the same time, I think, like you said, dealing with those emotional health issues is going to be critical, critical. Um, let's, let's just really be connected and take the temperature of everyone. Um, and, and that doesn't have to be all on the pastor. Like that's like, how can I, um, kind of gather together an army of, of folks to reach out to each other and make sure everyone is, is, you know, doing well, is connected, is engaging and is feeling served. So, uh, looking out for those needs going forward and then really honestly figuring out what is the route for the church, um, in terms of technology, how are they going to do that going forward? What sort of changes does that mean are going to have to happen? Um, I really do want to applaud the creative work the churches have done in this moment over the last year, they have, um, leveraged the tools available to them, uh, leveraged social media platforms, leveraged streaming platforms. And even if they didn't have the best equipment, they made it work. And I think that's really um, something to be celebrated. And that should be a reminder that you can do this. You can rethink what it looks like to do ministry. And I think it's a, it's a great opportunity. This is a pivotal moment where you've got people who maybe have uh, not, not felt as connected to the church or maybe, I don't want to say stray because that's not quite it, but like not, not been as engaged who suddenly feel a call to be more engaged. And this will be the deciding factor on whether they plug back in or they move on to new habits. And so the church really needs to um, just take a critical look at all of the ways uh, it spends its time and it invests in its community to think about how do we do this well going forward in our kind of new reality. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Brooke Hempel, Senior VP of Barna. She just dropped the mic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you. Brooke, it is always wonderful talking with you. I really appreciate you so much and, and, and all the work you all do at Barna. Tell folks how they can connect um, to your work. Um, tell folks on uh, when the a Black Church Report is going to be coming out, if, if you all know exactly when that's going to be coming out, um, and just how to get you on social or web or wherever. Yeah, that's great. Um, so we have actually created a channel on our website. Um, so it's Barna.com. But if you go to Barna.com slash Black Church Trends, um, that will take you to kind of the landing page for all of the data we're releasing 
um, from this Trends in the Black Church study. So we had an article out in January, one in February, um, our next one's April. And then in June, we're going to release the whole study um, as a book and all sorts of other um, content to come with it. Uh, spoiler alert, we have a little Juneteenth celebration in mind. So we felt like that would be a great, you know, timing wise, it's like, that's when we ha- would have everything ready. So let's use that. This is a celebration. This, this study is meant to be a celebration of the legacy of the church and an equipping for the future. And so um, we can't wait to share all of that. And if you get plugged in on that landing page, there's a way to um, text and get updates um, on if we have any new releases. We'll be uploading videos. We've done a ton of video interviews with leaders and we'll be sharing those um, both as part of the book and on the website. So there's, it's not just data. It's like, how are we digesting that data? So we're having some leaders help us do that and think about what does this mean for us right now? Um, so we'd recommend uh, that as, as the best landing place. Um, and if you uh, want to, if you're on Instagram, you want to follow on at Barna underscore Brooke, Barna underscore Brooke um, is where I will post updates whenever we have them as well on my site, as well as a few other um, various research studies I'm involved in. Thank you so much once again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I was going to call her Reverend, then I was going to call her Dr. <laughs> Reverend Dr. No, I'm not. <laughs> But just researcher. <laughs> thank you. And, but no, but I do thank you for how significant the work you all at Barna do. Um, it, well, how significant your work is. Um, and, and that I, I've been following you all for just a gazillion years. Um, and to be able to sit and have these kinds of conversations with you, I'm appreciative. And I believe they'll be a blessing to the church. Um, and, and so we're really grateful and I, you. I appreciate you modeling, like use data to make these decisions. So I love how you do that. And I love that you share that with your listeners. So, um, it's a joy to, to be on your show again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is the hope labs podcast where we connect thought word indeed. Uh, y'all keep it locked up in here because you know uh, that we shall have some of the greatest thought leaders talking about the church and talking about, uh, how to take our thoughts and make them into actions. Uh, that can disciple people uh, to live better lives for Christ. And so, Brooke, once again, thank you so much. We appreciate you so much. God bless you. Tell everybody over there at Barna uh, that we send our love. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.